0: Good morning, everybody. It's still as a campus student aged person. um, Still a little of an adjustment this year to get to 10 a.m. service, but I'm glad to see the campus ministry showed up today, so that's great. Um, Guys, I think we have already been blessed incredibly this morning. Um, We got an awesome welcome from James. It is incredible to see... The older Barabee and the younger Barabee welcoming us both these past weeks. I think we're equally as blessed to have uh, a group of people who are dedicated to showing up early, to using their talents in singing and music to help us worship God. And uh, I'm just totally honored by, uh, you know, our worship team showing up early and really putting in a lot of effort for, for our sake. So we've already been blessed so much this morning. It's a nice cool day. Sun is out. God's blessings abound. Yes. Um, my name is Connor. Um, despite my sweater, uh, I moved up here only a year ago. And although I look like a full manor, which hopefully I will become one day. Um, yeah, I've I moved up. And I'm just, you know, I've been I've been reflecting a lot about, about this past year. About so much, and I'll get into that. But um, I think a lot of this past year has just been marked by how you guys have welcomed me and accepted me. And that's, that's kind of what this place is. Is when you come to church. That's what this place is. Uh, this is a place where people uh, who who want to know more about God, who can gather to to hear about God and ultimately get to know God in so many different ways. We get to know God through through teaching. We get to know God through worship. I mean, I learned so much even in those lyrics that we just sang. Yeah. Ways that help shape how how I view God. Yeah. Um, we learn about God through 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 interacting with one another and. Um, you know, it, it was August 2018 when I actually started my journey of, of trying to get to know God. And I found myself not only welcomed, but supported in, in places like these. Um, you know, I, I definitely did not have it all together back in 2018. I, I, on one hand, had a lot of questions. On the other hand, was very stubborn in what I thought was, you know, was true. Um, but it was it was environments like these that I would, I would come to, and I wouldn't feel alone in my journey of trying to get to know God. I was surrounded by people who who accepted me for who I was, who wanted to help me get to know God even more. Um, and this past year, I've, I've reflected a lot about why I chose to become a Christian in, in the first place. Um, and such a huge part of that has to do with this idea of the kingdom of God. So I was reflecting about why I was reflecting. That's how you know you're deep in reflection. Well, Why am I thinking about this? And so many of, so much of what we heard this past year, whether it be in Sunday, Sunday lessons or, or Wednesday or different things, it's just been a lot about the kingdom of God, this idea of the kingdom of God. So many of these messages, whether directly or indirectly, have been about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And, just reflecting about those, I always seem to get pulled back to my first semester, my fall semester in university back in 2018. You know, in those months, I read a lot of the Bible. Um, it was really the first time that I started reading the Bible. And funnily enough, I started reading the Bible to, I thought the people who were teaching me a little bit about the Bible, I thought they were trying to, like, get, me to give them, like, get me to give them my money. So I was like, well, let me take it home, whatever you want me to read. And I'm like, I'm going to read, and I'm going to find where you're trying to. Uh, like pull a fast one on me. But I ended up reading a lot of the Bible and falling in love with it. But one of the main passages that not only won my mind in those months, but really won my heart is, is in Matthew 6. And it talks about seeking God's kingdom first. Now, Matthew 6. This can be, for some of us, a very, very familiar concept. Uh, some of us in this room may, may even know it by heart. For some of us, this, this could kind of describe the journey that we're starting right now. Um, we're in the steps of, of kind of you know, talking about seeking first you know, the kingdom and, and, and you know, what that looks like. For some of us, what we're about to read is going to seem like a very nebulous concept, a really undefined concept. It may be even, even something that has, has, some, has some hurt to it. But um, I think whether this is the first time that you've heard this, whether this is the thousandth time that you've heard this, I want to represent how essential this concept has been for me when considering what it has meant for me to be a Christian these past almost four years now. You know, whenever someone is interested in learning more about God, this is the first passage I go to. Whenever I feel like shameful and and unlovable and not worth it, this is the first passage that I go to. Whenever I feel anxious uh, uh, about what tomorrow or next week or next month is going to look like, what it's going to bring, this is the first passage that I go to. To me, there's, there's almost no clearer summary of what being a Christian entails than this passage right here. So we're going to read Matthew 6. I'm going to start in, in verse 25 for us. Um, so I'm reading out of the New International Version. Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now you may have opened up your Bible or your Bible app, saw those are red letters. That means that Jesus is talking. This is the big man saying these things. And right out of the gate in this passage that I think is just the most complete summary of what being a Christian entails, he comes with one of the most bold things I've ever heard somebody tell a crowd of people. Therefore, do not worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Um, that idea, do not worry. That alone may, like, may make Christianity seem like it's an impossible task. How am I not supposed to worry? How am I not supposed to be anxious? Have you seen the news? Have you have you walked around outside? Do you know what's going to happen to the city of Miami in fifty years? That's there goes there was my home. You know, it's going to be underwater. How like how can I not worry about all these different things? Um, I know, it's terrible news. Um, do not worry may, may Christianity seem like an impossible task. And he says this right off the bat here. Um, but he explains why. And we'll continue to read verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, I don't. I don't know why Jesus picked the birds for this. Maybe he's speaking, and a bird flies right in my front of his face. And he's like, "Oh, look at the birds." I don't know why he chooses the birds, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, "Look at these at these birds. They do what God created them to do, and God takes care of them." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So simple, and a lot of times you can see. Okay, well, the birds have a much more simple life than maybe than maybe we might. Okay, where are you going here, Jesus? Um, then he says something of incredible importance and this is what i think the first part of how essential this passage is to me when i consider my christianity my discipleship and the community that i find myself a part of i think this is one of the core things that you've got to believe about your walk with god he says something of incredible importance he says you he says are you not much more valuable than they are jesus is talking to this big crowd and he's like, you guys are so valuable to God. And for context, he's, he's, he, he's not talking to a crowd of like millionaires. He's not talking to a crowd of like um, Harvard graduates. Maybe there was a Harvard graduate in the crowd. Uh, maybe there was a millionaire in the crowd. There's also a bunch of people who were just sick, who were just on the street begging, who were just destitute, who may feel like not only do I not contribute anything, but I'm actually like a pit and, and, and I suck up resources. How could I be valuable? Or, man, like, I I feel like I've got maybe my little corner in life set, but I don't know about what everybody else is doing, so how could I be valuable? Um, He's talking to to all these people, and Jesus is saying that God values them. And then he continues in verse 28. Um, He says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. And so that first, that, that first passage we read through, you know, God is expressing to these people, or Jesus is expressing to these people that God thinks that they are so, so valuable, much more valuable than the things, than the other things that God has created. Um, and then Jesus is talking here, continuing that thought. And he brings up Solomon. You know, Solomon, this ancient and successful king, this dude had a ton of money. You know, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If you're married, you know how much that one person costs. If you're dating, you know how much money you spend in that one relationship. Imagine 699 more of those. And then 300 side chicks. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. This dude had to be loaded. You know, Jesus takes this illusion uh, uh, because Solomon was very splendorous and he had a bunch of wealth. But it's times like these where I think, like, Jesus is, like, I feel like Jesus said what he said to us specifically here in Maine because we know how beautiful nature is by virtue of living up here we see the mountains we see the rivers we go out to eastern prom and just see all of that jesus is like solomon and all of his man-made splendor cannot even touch what god has created and i think in maine we are so familiar with that because everywhere we look we see beauty like natural beauty we know not designer clothes jewelry or anything man-made like no Gucci is gonna is gonna out beautiful peak foliage in October. Like that's just it doesn't compare. Um, God spent so much time and attention to crafting nature, and we see that in our state. Yet Jesus is convinced that God spends so much more time for our sake, paying to paying attention to and providing what we need. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to these people. It's like. This this guy who is super rich doesn't even compare to nature. Nature does not even compare to you guys. So these are these two like like I think of it as almost like twofold encouragement. You have one where God thinks that people are valuable, way more valuable than anything else. And then in verse 32, that second part of that encouragement comes, Jesus reassures the people that God knows what each one of them needs. So think about that. It's, it's almost math. God thinks that you're valuable plus God knows what you need equals do not worry. If you have someone in your life that values you, you know how they take care of you. But like On the other hand, if you have someone that you really value in your life, you know how to take care of them. It's, it's, it's an amazing idea, this, that God wants to be, God wants to have that kind of relationship with us. And You know, I value my friends, I cherish my friends, but uh, I don't have the same amount of power that God has. And so to think of God being someone who values me and God wanting to provide what I need, that's even so much more reassurance. And it's an amazing idea. Yet can this idea be hard to believe sometimes? Uh, Are there times that we feel like we we aren't valued by God? Can we feel like we, we don't have what we need? You know, are, are, are there times that we feel unseen before God? Like we're, we're the one invisible person in this entire room and God's looking at everybody else, but, but not me. Uh, can we feel like our prayers fall on deaf ears? Or can we feel this way when life happens and then it happens again and then it happens again? Yeah. And then next week, life happens again and these things pile up. You know, there, are cert- there have certainly been times in the past few years, uh, really in the past four years since I've been seeking God when I've felt this way. I, I don't think it's uncommon to feel like this. Yet this idea about this kind of being a, a hard thing to wrestle with because it would feel totally beautiful to, to never worry again in my life. Um, but there's, there's, there's a reality here that I think is partly why this passage is one of the greatest summations of what it means to be a Christian because along with this twofold encouragement, there's a catch. And the catch is not something that I was familiar with before I really started seeking God. You know, I grew up Lutheran. Um, my parents were not really religious, taking me to church so that I could, I think, get some like moral framework. And then I went to a Christian high school. The, the ceiling of my faith is that I would look outside and be like, that's probably not random. Yeah, God's out there. Boom. That, that, was, that was how far I would go. In, in any sort of uh, interaction with God. And so much of what I told was these first two folds of encouragement. God loves you. God loves yeah. you. God wants to support you. Pray to God. He wants to answer that. All, all, all these different things. But I seldom or not, never heard the catch. And the catch, I think, is equally as important to these first two encouragements. Mm-hmm. Let's read verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You know, there are two truths in this passage in total. God loves us so much. He not only values us, but he knows what we need and has the power to get that to us. The other truth is we need to seek first the kingdom. Jesus is saying that for the, for the realization of God's intense desire for us to be totally cared for and totally looked after... We, you know, the ball's in our court to prioritize God's authority in our lives. Vice versa, if we're not seeking first God's kingdom, these other encouragements, Jesus is saying, well, there's, there's, there's a discrepancy there. Um, and this is heavy stuff. I mean, it means not only learning about what God desires, not only reading or hearing a lesson, like, yes, I, you know, I believe that. You know, in politics, we should totally prioritize the person over the, over the whatever different things we talked about. Or, man, yeah, I totally agree with Lincoln, man. Wisdom is super important. But if I'm not going out there and prioritizing the person over their policy, or if I'm not trying to hear wisdom and do the hard thing about wisdom and apply it to my life, you know, it's, it's this sacrifice. It means not only learning about what God desires and how he wants us to live, but actually living that way. Um, it's a mighty sacrifice. And, and one that I spent back in 2018, uh, I spent three and a half months studying the implications of this. You know, I, I started in Matthew, I went through Luke, and then I started reading Romans because what these guys were calling me to, these, these, these other guys who were Christians and were really fighting for me to understand these things, they weren't just fighting for me to understand that God thought that I was valuable or that God is ready to give me what I need. But that there's an essential truth that without seeking first, those things don't happen. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've had those months of studying the Bible and reading it. And then I ultimately made the decision, yeah, that's what I want. But it's also taken the last four years to continue to study how to seek God first. And I'm constantly learning new ways that, well, in this instance, I totally was not seeking God's first, God first. Then, apart from that, those are also times when I learn that I'm not seeking God first. And then sometimes I still choose to not apply what I just learned. Um, you know, with, with Matthew six twenty five through 33, you cannot have one without the other. We enable God to provide for us by seeking to live in a way that he wants. And he enables us to focus on that by providing for every need of ours. You see that relationship dynamic there? I, I can say with confidence that this is the healthiest relationship I have in my life. My relationship between me and God. I've got someone who values me so highly. That's so important for any relationship. We know that. Whether, I mean, we, 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 we all come from whatever kind of family. You have family in here. Um, I have someone who values me so highly. I also have someone who calls me to a very clear standard that helps me to be the best I can be. Yet he also empowers me to be able to meet that standard. That's what this is talking about here in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God. These things are going to be given to you. These things are given to you to help you seek first the kingdom of God. To help you focus on these things. Um, you know, if we're truly seeking to be a part of God's kingdom first, what are the fruits? In this passage, what are the fruits? You know, there's peace in security. There's the joy and wonder that comes from being provided for by God. Um, You know, my love language was never really gifts or so I thought. And then I think like a month ago, I told Kendra that I really like how she makes chocolate chip cookies. And then I don't even know how many days, maybe not even five days later, she shows up with a Tupperware. Full of chocolate chip cookies, and I think like you know, like you do that little like love language test. I think like my gifts score went up by like five points after that. I realize I I actually really really do feel um, like joy and and um, like wonder when I when I'm being provided for by people. How much more with God? Yeah, yeah. How much more can I look back at the times where I'm like, man, God totally provided for me in that, and I can look back at that, and then I can look ahead and be like, man, God did it here. I have faith that God's going to do it here. Um, What are some other fruits? You know, uh, there's a consistent sense of worth and value that each of us hold. You know, if we're really seeking first, we believe that, that our value is not dependent on what we're doing. It's, it's determined by how God views us. And that's a consistent thing for us. We see here that God values us. God values people so much more than anything else in creation. Um, so that's a fruit. Um, you know, the nature of our stresses and our anxieties change when we have these things, like it says in Matthew 6. Our stresses and anxieties take, um, you, know, you know, they change. Some, some go away if we're really buying into this. Um, our perception of the future is characterized by hope, not only for ourselves and, and what's going to happen to us, but hope for the larger community. Uh, uh, as a whole so we can look out to Portland and be like man I see these promises what if the people walking by the street knew that God thought of them this way what if the people walking down the street decided to seek God first and they got these things that would change the city that would change these campuses that would change Maine forever um, you know prioritizing what God wants is tough seeking first His kingdom is something that I've been trying to do since this month four years ago it hasn't always been easy. And there are times when I struggle to put God like third, much less first. Um, uh, yet, if, if, if that's where you feel, that's where you land, you're like, man, I'm, I'm struggling to even learn how to do this. Or I'm learning how to do this, but I'm looking at my life and seeing man, man, it's just the application isn't there. How do I do that? How do I do that? I want to end with a promise. This is not my promise. As of November 2022, you do not want a Conor Grimm promise. I'm still learning on how to make my yeses be yes and my noes be no. But this is Jesus' promise. He's got way more authority than I do. He's way more trustworthy than I am. He's way more wise than I am. So I'm going to read it straight from what he read. But I want to end with this promise. And this is a promise for those who, who maybe don't know where to start when seeking God. This is a promise for those who have just started seeking God, who have taken those first steps. This is a promise for those who who are are convinced that they want to seek God, but but it can be tough. This is a promise for people who have been seeking God longer than I've been alive. So I'm going to read this promise, and then we're going to pray for communion. And uh, Bob and Barb are going to help us navigate communion, but I'll share a little bit about that. So I'll end off by reading this promise, and then we'll pray. It's in Matthew 7, verses 7 7- through eight. And this to me is just like the final stone in this house that Jesus is building of discipleship. Seek God first, and then this promise. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Let's pray. Father God, you are so glorious. You are righteous. And we have been able to see firsthand how your kingdom has come to this city, how your kingdom has come to our neighborhoods, how your kingdom has come to this room. Father, whether we're at the first steps of trying to seek you, whether we have been wrestling with the idea of putting you first rather than second or third, or whether we have been just in such a season of consistent growth, God, um, I pray that you help reorient us to where we need to seek, which is your son. Lord, your son is the representation of everything that you hold dear, everything that you are on earth, God. And as we take communion, we take communion in recognition and remembrance of the ultimate act of love that your son did for us. Lord, he, he, he sacrificed himself for our sake that now we have the opportunity to have this incredible Matthew 6 relationship with you, one where you provide our needs, one where you intimately know us and value us, um, but one where we seek you first. God, our entrance into that was paid for by Jesus. And God, we thank you for that sacrifice and we take this communion in remembrance and somber acknowledgement of that sacrifice. Amen.